Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Man, good morning, Mercy family. Good morning. Um, Welcome. If you're newer to Mercy Church, we are so glad that you are here Uh, today. What you have walked into is Vision Day uh, here at Mercy Church. The idea is that we're going to take this weekend, we're going to zoom out a little bit from our normal week in, week out rhythm, and we're going to talk a little bit about who we are as a church about the grace of God that you heard some of in that video about where we've been and where we sense the Lord calling us to from here. So here's how we're going to do it. Um, every, just like everything else about our church, um, our vision, uh, this thing that is core to who we are, just like everything else, it comes straight out of God's word to us, okay? If you're newer to mercy, our scripture, the Holy Scripture, that's where we get our direction. It's where we get our guidance. And what God often does is he takes his holy word And he takes his Holy Spirit, and through the two of those, he breathes fresh life into a body of believers. And we believe that's what he's doing here. We believe that's what happens at the beginnings of an awakening. And our vision, the thing that we are asking God for, God, would you bring an awakening, a gospel awakening here to Charlotte that gets carried to the far ends of the earth? We don't want to just spend our time here in Charlotte. We don't want to spend our days going through religious routine. We want to see God move, and that's what we're asking him for. We believe there is real power for real life change in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe God loves every single person and that his grace gives hope to any and all who will ask for it. We believe he is actively present in this world, and we believe that he desires to bring an awakening to this city, and he's calling us to be a part of it. Awakenings come one person at a time. And we believe God's put us in this space and time to say to those who have never heard the gospel, come taste and see that the Lord is good. We believe that he's, he's saying to sleepy Christians, as the apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, get up, sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ will shine on you. And y'all, we've seen God move. I love that you got to see a little bit of these stories in the, the video. There's so many more that I wish I could share with you. But I think about Malcolm. Uh, Malcolm, 80 years old, and he comes up to me after, um, after a service. And the only reason he's in a service is because his grandson was so intent on inviting him to church, right? Knocking on his door early in the morning. And, and Malcolm was living with his son and with his grandson. And, and so Malcolm, okay, you know, to appease his grandson, comes to church. And, and then he comes up to me after the service. And he'd been around Christianity for a long time. And he comes up to me. And he just says, Pastor, this morning, it was like there was no one else in the room and you were speaking only to me. And I said, well, I'm not that good. Like, I'm not that good of a preacher. What was happening? That was the Lord that was speaking to you, Malcolm. He's doing something in you and you need to respond to that. And sure enough, he comes to our office a couple days later, sits down with Pastor Scott and gives his life to the Lord, 80 years old, uh, and gets baptized at our church. 
Two years ago, a college student who grew up in church was running from the Lord. A couple of our students kept after him, kept sharing the gospel with him. And though he knew all the information about Christianity, he wasn't following Christ. What would happen, maybe this has been your story, I know it was mine for a while actually in college, is that he would get around church, get around some Christians for a little while, and then kind of disappear, run away, do his own thing, then come back around for a little while, and then disappear again. And that happened as a pattern, but his friends kept pursuing him, and then one day the Lord woke him up, woke him up to his need for Christ to be more than his heritage, He needed Christ to be his savior, and he gave his life to Christ. And since then, he has led several other of his friends to Christ, and he now serves on our college staff here at Mercy. Y'all, last weekend, last weekend, a guy who's been attending our services for some time, who has a family heritage of church, who knew some stories, sat down with Howard Van Zandt, the guy's story that we saw just a little bit of. And if you dig further, you'll hear how Howard had no background with church. And five years ago, God woke him up when he was completely down and out, we can say, to summarize his story. God woke him up. Howard gave his life to Christ. And God has created an evangelist out of Howard, loves to share the gospel with anybody and everybody that will hear it. And sure enough, last weekend, this guy who had a lot of church background but never knew Christ sits down with Howard after service and gives his life to Christ. That was last weekend. I don't know what the Lord has done among us in the past six days since then, but God is moving, Mercy Church. He's moving. And I've been praying this verse over our church for several weeks now since I I studied it and and preached through it a little bit um, in the book of Acts. It's Acts 3, 19 through 20, where Peter says, therefore, repent and turn back. He says this to, to Israel, to the people of God, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. And he says, so that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When I say awakening, that's what happens when a season of refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord among us. And thanks to your your sacrifice, Mercy Church, to, to make room, to be generous, God is bringing more people than ever before to hear the gospel in our weekend services. Our membership is growing. Um, Again, there's like a a fresh move of of those committing to the body of Christ here in our church. And this weekend over at our Independence Campus, we've got a couple of baptisms that are happening, which marks, uh, marks our 50th baptism in 2019. Can we just take a second and praise the Lord at both of our campuses for what he's doing there? We still got two months to go. You know, one of the things I pray is, Lord, give us that year where we would see somebody baptized every week. And I'm like, math-wise, Lord willing, we're going to be there at the end of, end of this year. Awakenings happen. They happen one by one, which you're going to hear me say that a lot today. Uh, even when you see 3,000 people um, give their lives to Christ in the book of Acts, uh, over in Acts 2, what we saw is 3,000 individuals that God, gave, God came personally to and reconciled back to himself. He wakes up people with no prior church background. He wakes up people who have been in church their whole lives, and he wakes up people everywhere in between. We've been in the book of Acts, right, this whole uh, fall, and I believe this is, I had no idea how much the Lord was going to do through it, and I I love uh, what he's been doing as we've been talking about awakening faith. The theme for 2020 as we talk about gospel awakening is going to be awakening faith. Uh, And that's really, it's kind of a double entendre there. It's probably why I love it. Um, But first, it means the activity of God among us, like God awakening people to their need for him and to his great love for them. But it also is the activity of God's people. 
the kind of belief that characterizes a church ready to see God move. And y'all, I want to see that for us. I want to see that kind of awakening happen in us because awakenings begin at salvation, but they don't stop there, right? The season of refreshing, it's talking about the Holy Spirit igniting fresh life to cold marriages. And I want to see that in Mercy Church. It's talking about breaking chains of addictions that have ensnared you for years. And I'm hearing stories of that. I mean, just the other day, uh, we had our our day of prayer and fasting as a church. And uh, I had the chance to pray with a guy that night. um, And we pray over. He had been addicted. He was like, man, just one of the things that's been holding me down. He's a fairly new believer. He's given his life to Christ. And he said, man, I've been addicted to cigarettes for 15 years. So I just can't break it. And so we're praying over that as we're praying over a lot of things. And he comes up to me about 10 days later. And he's beaming. He's like, man, I just have to tell you, I have not touched uh, a cigarette in the past 10 days. Um, and not only that, like the, the smell of it disgusts me and everything else. And he's just moving. I'm like, man, praise the Lord. You know, this is a guy who's, who's seeking to follow Christ. And the Lord is honoring that by setting him free from something, uh, from something that's been holding him down for so long. Y'all, you hear about awakenings throughout history. And what, what you hear about is a fresh rejection of sin and a desire for a closeness to God and a hunger for his word. I think about um, the first great awakening in America started in Northampton, Connecticut, 1742. The one word Pastor Jonathan Edwards used to describe that awakening of a a village of 200 people, right? He said the one word he used to describe it was new. He said these were believers that were gathered in his church The same word was being preached, but there was a new force coming with it. And there were tears in the people who were hearing it. Gratefulness for the grace of God that they had heard before, but never really received before. Prayer was still prayer, but it was so much more now. It was was a drawing close to a God that they desperately needed. There was a powerful sense of the majesty of God, Edward said, that just fell on their people. Time uh, kind of fell into the backdrop. They no longer calendared church around other events. They just went to meet with God, and everything else came secondary. That's what I think he's beginning to do in us. It's what you see in the first seven chapters of Acts. You see the Spirit of God rush onto a group of people and you see him move. So here's what I want to do. I want to show you the heart of God for the city of Charlotte. The heart that I think compels and propels an awakening. That propels his people to action. So I want to show you the heart of God for a couple of minutes um, in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, We have been in the book of Acts. I want to basically show you the inspiration, I think, that the disciples had uh, to go as they are, you know, the series we've been saying is you are sent. I want to talk about the motivation for that. And that comes in Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And then I want to tell you uh, some things that we sense the Lord calling us to do. A couple of steps we sense the Lord calling us to take in 2020. The elders have been uh, of our church, been praying over this and um, have shared this with our staff and with some others and are ready to share that with you today. But first, let me show you where it comes from. Uh, This might be a familiar passage if you've been around church for a while, but again, uh, let's pray that the Lord would um, make fresh that which is familiar because that is what is common um, in awakenings when they happen. So Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, 
but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So let me take probably no more than 10 or 15 minutes and break down this for you to show you the heart of God for Charlotte. It starts in verse 35, where Christ shows us the, the twin engines of his ministry that we've been talking about throughout the, the Acts series, the proclamation about the news of the kingdom, and then the demonstration of the power of the kingdom. He preached the good news, and he verified it through, through his power, right? The good news of the kingdom, listen to me, is that God loves sinners. That's the good news, that Christ came to deliver. God loves sinners. He doesn't hate sinners. He's not disinterested in sinners. God doesn't write sinners off because they are lost causes. God isn't some ethereal force. God is not a temperamental tyrant who is out to frustrate your life for his entertainment. He is the one true king who created the universe, the only one true God, and he loves us. He loves you. And there was no one too far gone, no one too lost for him to extend his love to, to reach out and to make them whole. And he says, this healing here gets me because he has the power to heal your soul. That's what the healings were about. You see this in verse 35? He heals every disease, every sickness, and the healings were a sign that he can do something far bigger and more important than physical healing. He can heal your soul. Right? That's why he says to the lame man, get up and walk. Why do you have to get up and walk? So that everybody else will know that the Son of Man has the power and the authority to forgive sins. You guys uh, see on Friday, um, Kanye dropped his album, Jesus is King. I know most of y'all saw it because like every song is on the top 10 uh, Spotify most played. So I know that most of y'all saw it, right? The internet kind of exploded. Um, it's awesome. And so, you know, I am here for every last bit of whatever God is doing in Kanye, okay? I'm going to see the movie this afternoon with Pastor Richard. Any of the rest of y'all want to come, all right? Um, I listened to the whole album several times through. In fact, I want to, I'm quoting Kanye, what is happening in our world. I love it. God, we're here for it, whatever you're doing. Um, one of his songs, God Is. And um, here's what he said. He said, every time I look up, this is such the language of a, what seems like a new believer. I'm not getting into the Kanye story. This is a sermon, okay? But he says, every time I look up, I see God's faithfulness, and it shows just how much he is miraculous. I can't keep it to myself. I can't sit here and be still. Everybody I will tell till the whole world is healed. Healed. That's his language about salvation is healing. Again, I don't know what's going on, what's happening there, but when you think of the kingdom advancing, um, do you think of God bringing healing to people's souls? Or do you just think of more numbers of people in the kingdom? For those of you who have gone through religious routines and sat in church for years, but you've never really given, you never, you've never experienced the transformative power of Christ where he restores your soul, where he makes your soul whole where you finally understand that which you were created for. Maybe though you have received plenty of information about Jesus and practiced plenty of religious rituals about Jesus, maybe you've never actually received the salvation that Christ offers. That's a part of what we're seeing here. All right, that is a very a, a somewhat common story that we're seeing here at Mercy Church, and maybe that's you today. And I want you to listen to verse 36 if it is. When he saw the crowds, largely Jewish crowds. 
which means largely people who knew the stories of God and knew the, what we would call the Old Testament. He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. That word compassion, he felt compassion for them. The word uh, in the, the Greek, again, I'll, I'll tell you Greek when I think it matters and will help you. The word is splagitsomai. That's good. You can't say it without spitting. Splagitsomai, right? It, it's where we get the word spleen from. It's a gut thing. All right, him feeling compassion is him feeling something down in his gut. It's very different than the heart idea of compassion. It is a, it's a groaning for these people, a love for them, a sadness over their situation apart from God. And he says they were distressed. Jesus looks at them. He has this groaning, maybe even doubling over because they were like, and then gives us a metaphor, sheep without a shepherd. Here's what he's saying. The, the crowds, people are like sheep, right? They're, they're helpless unless God the shepherd intervenes. Sheep are this wonderful illustration of how helpless we are because sheep aren't aggressive creatures, right? They, they don't have a lot of self-defense mechanisms and they're not very bright, right? They are sheep. They're the epitome of vulnerable. I heard a guy say the other day, you're never gonna hear um, a headline Right? You're never going to see a headline on the news that says, just raging herd of sheep attack local village. Right? That's never going to happen because that's not sheep. Right? They are defenseless creatures, vulnerable creatures. They are the ones vulnerable to the attack of predators apart from the shepherd. In fact, distressed and dejected, uh, depending on your translation, it may not say that because English really needs like a full paragraph for each one of those words to help understand. But what, what it's basically saying is it's the imagery of a herd of sheep. Distress means they're being torn apart by a predator and dejected means they're looking at that attack with no hope, knowing that they are all going to die. And Christ says that's every person's fate apart from God intervening. And so he's groaning with compassion. And if you don't know Christ, that's his word towards you. It's, it's compassion. You hear that? It's love. It's the love of a father for a son or daughter that's run away. You gotta hear that to understand the heart of God. It is compassion for you. It is love for you. He loves you. You're lost without him. You're a sheep without a shepherd. You're vulnerable to the enemy's attack, but he has come for you. For God so loved the world, right? He loves you. And because he loved the world, he sent his son for you. His son is a gift to you. Believers, let me ask you something. When was the last time you splagitsamide, when you groaned over the state of someone else's soul? Someone that you love. When's the last time you doubled over in agony, pleading before God, God, would you save my family member, my sister, my brother, my mom, my dad, my child, my neighbor, my coworker, my friend. Do you, do you share that compassion of Christ? And my, my word in saying that to you is not to guilt you towards it. Of course not, right? It's to call you back to the love of God for you, right? That you would go abide, John 15, and his love for you. And out of there, you'll bear the fruit of compassion for others, in verse 37, he says to his disciples, the harvest is abundant. The workers are few. There's plenty of work to be done. 
The harvest is abundant. Mercy, there are over 100 people who move to the city of Charlotte every single day. Every single day, Charlotte is the most populated it's been in its history right now. Over 100 languages are spoken in our metro area. And in the last generation, from 1980 to 2017, generational statistics were were run recently, church growth has been 43% slower than population growth. In fact, if the trends continue by 2025, that's five years, right? 2025, there'll be more people in Charlotte who are de-churched than who are actively in a church week in, week out. That's, that means more people who will have had a touch point connection with church and said, nah, that's not for me, than there are those who are following Jesus. 29% of Charlotteans in the millennial age range, that's 23 to 38, claim no religious affiliation. That's up 10% from 10 years ago. And it's close to 50% for Gen Z that's coming behind them. And if that causes you to fear, if that causes you to be sad, Jesus looks at a crowd with far fewer followers than what we have. And he says, that's a harvest waiting to be reaped. Those are people that God deeply loves. They're waiting to be rescued. That's a landscape prepared for an awakening. There isn't a harvest shortage. There's a worker shortage. He doesn't pray for the harvest. He prays for people to be sent into the harvest. And maybe the saddest statistic that I hope mercy is a part of reversing is that 98% of Christians will not share their faith in their lifetime with someone else who doesn't believe. 98%. It's not a harvest problem. It's the workers that are few. You say, I don't have the ability to tell people. Listen, that is the sin of ability. We think our ability will determine the success of our mission, right? That's pride, the the sin of when I am able, then I will be able to do something. No, look at what he says next. Verse 38, pray to the Lord of the harvest. To send out workers where? Into, let's all do this a little together. Or a little group exercise. Into whose harvest? Into his harvest. His harvest. The harvest has an owner. It's not like you go out into it and hopefully convince somebody of something. Like the gospel is a car that you're selling. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. Pray to send workers into his harvest. I love it. He doesn't need us. But he wants us. He wants you to experience the joy close up firsthand. His joy, the same joy the father has when the prodigal comes home, he is now extending that to us, giving us the chance to participate in that, to experience that when a brother, when a coworker, when a friend finds salvation in Christ. And for those of you that have seen that happen, there is no joy like that. It's great joy. You know what that is? That's the extension of the father's love that we're getting to experience. It's so powerful to me. He's at the same time, simultaneously sending us out and inviting us in. He's sending us out with the hope of the gospel, and he's inviting us into his harvest, into his mission. He's telling he's saying, okay, disciples, pray for yourselves. Pray that the Lord would send you out. And starting in chapter 10, you know, we don't just stop in the story because the numbers stop. The monks added those later. When you go into the story in chapter 10, it continues. What does he do? Summoning his 12. He gave them authority over unclean spirits, to drive them out, to heal every disease and sickness. And if you keep reading, to proclaim the news of the kingdom. 
what he was doing in Matthew 9, he is now sending them out to do the same thing. That's what he's doing with us. In chapter 9, it was Christ's work. In chapter 10, now it's the work of the disciples. And in Matthew 28, the way the gospel of Matthew ends, he calls his disciples and he says, okay, go make more disciples. Go make more disciples and go to all nations. Go to all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all the things that I've commanded you. Listen to me. Summarize this whole thing to say, you know what the heart of God is? God loves the people of Charlotte. He loves the people of Charlotte. He is sending us out to them. And awakening faith has that dual rhythm to it. We run harder towards God and we run harder towards the lost at the same time. He provides us the strength to do that. Let me tell you what this means for Mercy Church in 2020. Three things that we sense, the elders sense the Lord really calling us to in this next year. The first is desperate prayer. Desperate prayer. Awakening faith is not something we conjure. You you get this? It's very important to understand. We can't manipulate an awakening. We could manipulate an emotional experience, but that's shallow and it doesn't last. We're not going to do that. We're praying and asking God for awakening, revival of a whole community that gets so impactful and powerful, it gets carried to the ends of the earth and it lasts. It changes the landscape of a country for generations. That's the kind of thing we're praying for. You can't manipulate that. We want to be carried forward in his strength. So our elders are calling on the members of Mercy Church to devote themselves to a renewed season of prayer and fasting in 2020, both personally and corporately. We want to hear stories of how God is moving in your life as you Throw yourself on him in desperation. The early church, listen, what we've seen in the book of Acts this fall is they basically stayed in prayer and then left to go do some ministry and then went back to prayer. But prayer was home base for them. From the very moment Jesus ascended, Acts 1, right? This is verses 12 through 14. They returned to Jerusalem. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs and they were continually united in prayer. In Acts 1, they pray for three days, Peter preaches for 10 minutes, and 3,000 people get saved. We often flip the emphasis, don't we? Y'all, I think prayer is the greatest sign of a heart that truly wants God. We want this to be mercy. In fact, I've been borrowing, even in my own preaching, been borrowing from a prayer that a pastor told me he prays over his sermons. He says right before he gets up to pray, he says, Holy Spirit, please preach a better sermon than the one I'm about to give. Right, please. That is a, a posture of desperation. God, please move. Please move. You do it. Prayer unlocks the power of God. It says, God, you do it. Practically, what this means is once a month, our elders are going to be leading a day of prayer and fasting, um, really just saying, We're going to confess our sin before God and we're going to call on Him for boldness, the boldness we need, the boldness we see in the book of Acts over and over again. God, give us boldness. This is a persecuted people. They don't pray. God, give us comfort. They don't give us protection. God, give us boldness to proclaim your gospel. And so we're going to do that. If nothing, in fact, our first, our next one is going to be November 17th. We're going ahead and getting a, a head start on 2020, all right? November 17th this year. If nothing else, 2020 will be the year of prayer for Mercy Church. Like I said, awakenings cannot be manipulated or forced, but we can prepare ourselves for God to move and then expect him to move. But ultimately, it's him that moves. 
Um, it's kind of like preparing for, preparing for God to move. I've been trying to think what's a good, good way to kind of get, your, get our minds around it. It's a lot like, um, <laughs> like steering a sailboat. And the way I know that is because in middle school, I guess my parents were like, we got to get this kid out of the house. So during the summer, they sent me one, one year to a soccer, tennis, and sailing camp. All right? Don't know. I don't know what's happening in Greensboro at that time that those three things need to be together um, for kids to go do during the day. All right? Um, but out at Bryan Park, that's what we did. So one of those, the only time I've ever really manned a sailboat, but I'm an expert. So during that week, um, we learned how to assemble a little one-man sailboat, right? And we could get it out of the sailboat place and take it and put it into the water. And you can put everything in it and you can hoist the sail and do all the things right. And we did that. And there were a couple of days where we did that. And then we just sat in the lake. Because why? There was no wind, right? So we just sat there and then we tried to tip them over because we were middle school boys. Why would you give us a sailboat in the middle of a lake in middle school boys? So we just tipped them over and messed them up, right? But on a windy day, man, those of us that learned how to set everything up, we could absolutely fly around the lake. We cannot manufacture the winds of an awakening, but we can hoist the sail and we can tighten the ropes and we can ask God to move. That's what prayer is. That's when we talk about awakening faith. That's what we're talking about. It's believing God wants to move, positioning, him, positioning ourselves in a way that looks kind of silly if he doesn't and expecting him to move. It's dependence on him. Here's the second thing we sense God calling us to. It's committed community. Awakening faith will invite a Holy Spirit-led disruption to casual Christians who are snuggled up in comfortable routines. We want to see every believer in the Mercy family seek to follow God into serving one another, into practicing the one another's that Christ calls them to because discipleship, growing as a follower of Christ, it happens in relationships. That's how he's created this whole thing to work. That's not surprising. John 13, this is how the world will know that you're my disciples, the way you love one another. Christianity is not a solo sport, but our current community, the landscape of Charlotte is a people more isolated than in any time in human history. We are digitally connected, but relationally stunted. We find more comfort in the digital appearance of friendship than we do in the presence of real friends. But God has created us for real friendships, to know and be known. And maybe this, in this space, think about this, it might be in that space of embodied community more than any other that the church has a chance to write a new narrative for our world. Come and belong. You can be known here. You don't have to be perfect here. You can be loved here. You can be a part of something. We will lock arms together. You will contribute to what is happening here, and you will receive from this community. God has created you for it, and we can be that, Mercy Church, a space for people to belong as they come to believe. And look, I know relationship building, it's scary to those that haven't done that, especially to a generation marked by anxiety and skepticism, but we know obedience to Christ is worth that risk, and we know he will bless it. No joke, 2020, we need to double the number of community groups we have here at Mercy Church. That's not a, a random just, we need to double it, you know, just a random shout. No, that's based on current capacity um, and current need based on how many of us are here on a weekend versus how many of us are in groups. 
These groups are greenhouses for discipleship. It's a group of 10 to 20 that you can go deeper with than what you can do here on the weekend. Listen, like I told Malcolm, I, I can preach to you, right? I can preach God's message of hope, but I cannot personalize it specifically to your situation, nor can I hold you accountable to obeying that which you sense the Lord calling you to do. That's what happens in community groups. We take the gospel and we take God's word and we press it into the recesses of one another's lives. And we're there to encourage one another as we take these giant steps of faith that we've never taken before. We're not sure if we can really trust God here, but we've got somebody else saying, yes, you can trust God and I'm here with you for it. That's community. We got to make a big jump in relationship space and we're going to equip you for it over the course of this year. Here's the last one. It's missional urgency. Missional urgency. He looks at the loss with compassion. He tells us to pray for workers. And in chapter 10, he commissions them to go out. So they go out with the power of Christ. After Christ's resurrection, his disciples think, awesome. You sent us out. You went, you died, but now you're back. Great. This is the proof you're the true king. Are you going to restore the kingdom in full now? Acts 1 that we looked at at the beginning of the series. He says, not for you to know the times or periods the father is set by his own authority. But instead of knowing when I'm coming back, no, I'm not coming back right now. And you don't need to know when that will happen. Instead, here's what you need to know. You'll receive power when the spirit has come on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what did they start praying for? Boldness to tell everybody. They had the compassion of Christ and they went out. Many of them followed the model of their savior. They were killed because they preached the gospel. That's what we saw with Stephen last weekend. You know, right now, the fastest church growth movement in the world is in Iran. The church is growing by 20%. The the body of Christians in Iran is growing by 20% a year right now. All former Muslims. There's close to half a million Christians right now. There's a documentary called Sheep Among Wolves. Tell you more about this. And what they label it as is the Iranian awakening. And what you're seeing is testimonies of... Actually, it's a whole lot led by women in this movement. You're seeing women and you're seeing, you're seeing single women. You're seeing couples together who are saying, we are willing to die so that Christ will be proclaimed. Sitting down with one another and saying, we may not see each other again in this life because we're going to go out and proclaim the gospel. Because apart from Christ, there's no hope. Awakenings have an urgency to them because eternity is at stake Y'all, the most dangerous gospel for us right now is not the prosperity gospel that says if you believe God, he'll make you wealthy. It's not that. It's the apathy gospel. The apathy gospel is embraced by those who claim to love truth, who claim to love the scriptures and love Jesus, but hell doesn't bother them. And they never share Jesus. Prayer eludes them because they don't need God. Apathy kills faith. The gospel is news, it must be shared with urgency, and it is worth everything, even our lives, to share that with those that don't know Christ. So we will take the gospel with urgency to our community here in Charlotte and to the corners of the earth. In 2020, we're going to continue to give 
10% of our total budget to missions work in Charlotte and around the world. Over the last four years, we have sent missionaries to serve overseas. We have sent them to plant churches here in our country. We're going to continue to do both. We're a strategic partner with the International Mission Board to help an awakening that really our job is just to catalyze and to hopefully help the awakening that's happening in Cuba right now. And we're going to continue to push forward there to help our brothers and sisters there reach um, their community, reach their nation for Christ. We've got several other countries around the world we're going to do that with. Next weekend, next weekend, Pastor Derek Delane is coming here to preach. Uh, the reason he's coming, I invited him here, is because he's planting a church in Nashville, Tennessee in 2020, and he's asked us to be a strategic partner with him. We believe this is a sister city to Charlotte that needs healthy gospel preaching churches. And I'm going to stand here next week and I'm going to tell you to pray about going to join their launch team because we trust him. He's a sister church. He's going to be a part of the, the Summit Network, which is a bunch of churches, like-minded, planting churches around the country. And the mission is urgent. So we're going to hold an interest meeting next weekend to tell you to go. Y'all, that I, there, there's an aching in me. There's a nervousness in me. Because I, I don't want you to go, you know, we, we have this saying that we send our best, and I'm like, ah, but I don't really want to. I love you guys, right? I don't want to, but we have to. The compassion of Christ compels us to, and so we must. And let me tell you what missional urgency means for mercy in Charlotte next year. Our elders have agreed on a pretty bold step since the Lord calling us to take in 2020. We've been looking at where our members and guests are coming from, and we've identified a few concentrated areas, and we've begun to pray over them. We're asking the Lord to help us figure out the best steps to help our members reach their community with the gospel. Some of you drive 25, 30 plus minutes to, to be here on our weekends, and we love you for it. In fact, Mandy Foster, our kids director, is one of those, and she, um, she says, she's got a saying, she wants to make it into a t-shirt, I don't know, but she says, a church alive is worth the drive, right? And then she'll say it all the time. That's like every morning when she gets up and she's like, get in the car, church alive is worth the drive. Like sometimes she has to convince herself to it. I love that. And yet, while a lot of you share that, we know it's hard for you to invite your friends and neighbors to make that drive. But you believe in the mission and vision of Mercy Church. It's your church. So we're asking the Lord, how can we help you practice an awakening faith among those close to you? One of the areas where we see this is Northeast Charlotte. University City, Concord, Harrisburg, et cetera. You know reaching the next generation is core to who we are as a church. UNC Charlotte sits in the northeast corner of the city in just about three years, if everything goes as it's continuing to go. Um, that school will house the largest undergrad student body in all of North Carolina. College students are the most reachable, trainable, sendable group of people in the world. And if we're going to see an awakening, it is going to involve college students. But college students aren't the only one coming from that area to Mercy. We have two communities up there, two community groups up there already, a steady stream of families who are coming. So our elders are in agreement. We're excited to tell you that we are prayerfully looking to launch Mercy Northeast on a target timeline of August 2020. Now our hope, our hope in that is that we have the um, opportunity to partner with the church like we did in our Providence Road campus this has been an incredible turnaround story. It's been a joy to share far and wide about the gospel ministry that has been turned around here in this community. But we're going to be open to whatever location options should arise. We intend to build a launch team over the next several months. And if you're interested in being a part of this, if you know a church that may be open to this revitalization kind of work, or maybe if you have 15 acres of land that you would like to donate um, to Mercy Church, any of those things should they spark you, um, you can email jake, 
our executive director at mercyne at mercycharlotte.com. If you have questions about um, what this is going to look like, that's the, that's the email address to begin um, us begin having conversations and a lot more is going to come on that. I know there's a lot of questions that come with that. Let me um, answer two of them, okay? First, what does this mean for our independence campus? There's a long-term answer and a short-term answer for our independence campus. Long-term, we believe that Mercy should continue to have a presence in the Matthews and Union County area. A quarter of our members live there. The population there is growing by 7% a year, and it's an area where there's a lot of possibility we we see for us in the long-term. But short-term, our contract at the Levine Senior Center, which houses our Independence Campus, is set to expire in the summer of next year, and we believe it's probably best for us to not extend that at this time. And since we can't do everything we want to do, even though Pastor Richard is continuing to look for space out that way, we've been looking for three and a half years for facility space there, and it's just not been the Lord's story to give us that at this time, but he's going to continue looking for, for space out there and, and talking with others about it. Since we can't do everything we want to do all at once, we anticipate closing our Independence Campus around the summer of 2020 to give a time for our folks over there to consider joining that launch team up in Mercy Northeast or relocating to Providence Road for the time being until we, we can figure out what it is the Lord would have for us there in the Union County Matthews area. But we already have members of our church who are interested in bringing mercy out there and have talked with us, so we're going to have a lot more of those conversations as well. Second question that comes out of something like this, are we also going to plant churches in Charlotte? Yes. In fact, I had a wonderful meeting Thursday night with a, a group of local churches that we're in partnership um, with to help advance the gospel here in Charlotte. We give financially, Mercy does, to um, this local network. I serve on the board of it, and our aim is to plant like-minded gospel-preaching churches around our city. I'm excited to tell you that this network is planting, it's actually uh, seven new local churches in 2020 right here in Charlotte. Five of those are going to be pastored by uh, minority culture pastors. Listen to this. In that local network, there's 150 churches. They're in this local network of churches called the Metrolina Baptist Association. It's a really cool name, right? But this is what we are. But in that 150, listen to this. The gospel is preached in 30 languages on the weekend among those 150 churches. It's like Pentecost every single week. It's so, be- I, had, I learned a lot of this this weekend of just how the Lord is raising people up. So yes, yes, we believe in awakening. We're not just, come- it can't come only through one church. It can't come only through one language, right? It's gonna be the Lord moving through his spirit across our city and raising up more pastors and church planters. And we are here for, for all of that. So yes, we will plant churches. We're training pastors here at Mercy Church and we'll continue to do so, so that we can deploy them throughout our city and throughout our world because the mission is urgent. So we'll plant campuses where that fits. We'll plant churches with urgency, not carelessly, of course, We'll be good stewards of our resources, but the reality of eternity is in front of us and the compassion of Christ is compelling us. One of the reasons we're even here up to this point is because of your willingness to step into that mission, because of your generosity and your spirit of sacrifice with the way you've trusted God up to this point. I love our church. I love what God is doing here among us. I believe the vision of awakening faith is just the expression of the DNA of who we are. You want to be a ascending church. I know, I, I can, I don't know how to say this. Like I, I feel that desire to see an awakening kind of pulsing through the body of Mercy Church right now, through our family. It takes bold steps of faith to see that realized and I'm excited to join you in it. And Christ said, 
The one thing he said in that Matthew 9 passage, what's our action step? Pray. Pray for him to do his work and in his grace allow us to be a part of it. So why don't we close this time with all this that you just heard? Why don't we pray? Why don't we ask God to move? All right, I want you to, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get with one other person or two other people. You decide. If you came with two other people, that's fine. If you came with a car of five people, I don't care. All right, I want you to get with a couple people. We're gonna pray together though, all right? Now listen, if you're newer to church, that's uncomfortable to you, you don't know anybody. When I say pair up, you just kinda put your head down like you're gonna pray alone. Everybody respects that. It's a general understood rule that you don't wanna be prayed with, okay? That's fine, we're cool with that. We'll meet you where you are, all right? Um, But we want you to to pair up and I wanna pray back through these three things that really come right out of of this passage. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna lead us in the first one and then our campus teams are gonna lead us through the, the next couple. Why don't we start? by asking God to make us desperate for him. Desperate prayer comes out of a desperation for God. Don't we ask God to awaken our hearts. God, make us desperate for you. Would you bow your head and you pray that?